SAFM Sports Wrap. Good evening to you. Welcome to SAFM Sports Wrap. I'm Brad Brown. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll chat to footballing legend Marks Maponyane. We'll also touch base with a new batting coach for Zimbabwe cricket, Lance Klusner. And uh, a whole lot more. We'll head to Paris for some tennis news. Uh, there has been a lot of tennis today. That's the good news. And Stan Vavrinka, the first semi-finalist through uh, at the French Open. But we'll chat to Chris Bowles a little bit later on. Staying with tennis, 14-time Grand Slam champion Rafael Nadal was withdrawn from the Aegon Championships later this month at Queen's due to a wrist injury. Bafana Bafana have arrived in the Senegalese capital of Dakar en route to Gambia where they'll play their penultimate 2017 CAF Africa Cup of Nations qualifier Eagle to finish uh, the campaign on a high. Bafana and Gambia lock horns on Saturday at the Independence Stadium in Bacau in a match that's scheduled to kick off at nine at uh, seven PM rather South African time. Coach Sheikh Mashab and his team landed in Dakar in the early hours of this morning. They'll be heading to Banja later today. Captain Itumalen Kune says the coach's consistency in selection is paying off. 90% of the team here is the team that the coach has been selecting for the past two years since he has taken over. And the footy, there are injuries, there are suspensions, and those things now so they come back and play a huge role in the team's preparations. But for now, I think coach who has been handling a selection very well, and all the players feel like they deserve to be here, and we all deserve to be here. Even those who are coming in, they all deserve to be here. In transfer news, Kaiser Chiefs defender Keegan Ritchie will move to Supersport United in a swap deal. Let's see Sibu Sisukomalo moving to Naturina. Barcelona and Real Madrid midfielder maestros Ivan Rakitic and Luka Modric have been included in Croatia's Euro 2016 squad. On to cricket, the draw for the 2017 ICC Champions Trophy is being concluded. The Proti is drawn alongside India, Pakistan and Sri Lanka in Group B. Same with international cricket, Sri Lankan baseman Nuan Kalasekara has retired from Test Cricket. He'll focus primarily on the shorter stuff, uh, limited overs cricket. In rugby news, prop Dean Kraling has left the Bulls with immediate effect to join the French club for Oyana on a two-year deal. It's also announced that the Bulls' loose forward, Ronaldo Botmer, has been appointed as Namibia's new captain ahead of the Nations Cup in Romania next month. Southern Kings prop Tom Boerta will join the Cheetahs at the end of the year. And uh, looking at uh, news out of the Lions, camp flanker Kyle Brunk has signed a two-year contract extension with the Union, while Japanese side Kubota Spears has signed uh, flank Yaku Creel as well as Stormers scrum half Louis Schroeder for the next season. Creel joins Kubota on a two-year contract, but he will be allowed to return to Johannesburg for the Lions Super Rugby campaign. Internationally, Sonny Bill Williams has signed a new three-year deal with the New Zealand Rugby Union. He'll join the Blues until the end of the 2019 season. New Zealand's uh, coach Steve Hansen says the midfielder has a huge role to play in New Zealand. You know, to have a player of Sonny's calibre and he's a freakish athlete uh, in his position, one of the best in the world, if not the best, and we saw that at the Rugby World Cup. Uh, he's really getting comfortable, I believe, in, in his position and in the game itself. I think the Sevens program is only going to enhance that uh, and I think by the time he's finished he'll be one of the greats of the game. So it's nice to have him. And finally in boxing, the boxing governing body has voted in favour of allowing professionals the chance to try and qualify for the Rio Olympic Games later this year. I'm Brad Brown for SAFM Sport. SAFM Sports Wrap. 
You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. And we mentioned yesterday in the news that uh, former South African fast bowler Kyan T and former pro tiers all-rounder Lance Klusner have been appointed as Zimbabwean uh, coach and batting coach, respectively. And it's a great pleasure to welcome Lance Klusner uh, onto the show t- tonight. Lance, welcome onto SAFM. Good to good to catch up. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on the appointment, Lance. Last time we spoke, I think it was uh, as you were leaving the Dolphins. Uh, this is a, a nice appointment. It's great to great to be involved in international cricket uh, once again. Yeah, it's a nice opportunity, and as one door closed, uh, another one opened up quite nicely, enough to hook up with with Mackay as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Let's talk about your relationship with uh, with Mackay. I mean, he's an amazing guy. He's uh, such a character, and it's it's good to see him back in the coaching ranks too, uh, and and sort of giving something back to cricket. Is it going to be weird doing it with a different country and not not South Africa? Yeah, but that's coaching. I think if you get into coaching, you need to be prepared to uh, coach the enemy, be that at franchise level or, or international level, and, and that's just the nature of the job. But at the end of the day, I'm really looking forward to getting. Uh, you know, working again with Mackay, he offers a lot. He's a good guy. He's energetic. He's bubbly, and you know, he's he's someone that you know I think I could work reasonably well with. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then, um, yeah, it's a, it's a new challenge to step up for uh, uh, to international level, and um, you know that's something that I've aspired to for a while. So it's a, it's a nice, from personal point of view, it's a nice opportunity. Lance, Zimbabwe cricket's gone through some waves uh, over the last few years. It's, they've had some, some really high highs. They've had some low lows. Uh, lots happening off the pitch. It's, it's going to be an interesting challenge. I mean, what, what do you think are, are going to be some of the biggest challenges you're going to have to overcome as a coaching staff? Yeah, I think you're spot on. There's a, I think there's a lot of work. There's probably about as much work you know, on the field as there is um, off the field. But, uh, you know, extremely impressed with... Uh, uh, Zimbabwe cricket and, and their vision uh, towards the the next World Cup and, and you know what they want to do and what they see um, could work for them. So it's fitting in with that. It's having the backing and and and, and the courage really um, that that you know Zim cricket needs right now to to make bold steps and and um, and to move on and to maybe unearth some new talent that you know is going to be um, a force to be reckoned with in 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 the next World Cup, but uh, yeah, so I've liked the chat coming out of Zimbabwe so far. So yeah, I'll hopefully hit the ground running Monday. Are, are you going to be based up there, or are you going to be doing it remotely from here and then heading heading up north? Um, yeah, initially um, I was approached for to do the um, you know the the, the the coaching role overall, but um, no, I think just the, for a batting batting coach point of view. And it allows me just a little bit more, um, just a little bit more um, flexibility. Um, I can get back home as well as um, you know, just do what I need to do up here, and then, you know, get there, prepare them for their tours, and stick around for you know, hopefully what what will be a, a couple of successful years. Looking at the, the the sort of talent in the country, I mean, they've got some some great batters. I think of the likes of uh, Hamilton Mazakatsu, who's who's shown he is is no mug with a bat. He can hold his own with with uh, the best in the world. There, there is lots of talent in that country, and, and you must be pretty excited to to almost take a team where at the moment there aren't massive expectations, but uh, there is mm-hmm. lots of potential, and try and mould it into a team that can once again beat some of the best teams in the world. Yeah, absolutely, um, and I think a lot of that work that you just mentioned is probably off the field and getting. 
those senior players that have been around for a while to, you know, recharge their batteries and, and maybe set them some new challenges and some higher expectations because I think the people of Zimbabwe are, are, are eager to see their cricket team, you know, back to where it used to be. And, you know, you know there were some, some wonderful players that, that Zim had, but, you know, at the end of the day, one thing you could always bank on against playing Zimbabwe is that there would be a fight. And maybe the last couple of years we haven't quite seen that. So it's important that we get that back as well. As far as the duration of, of the tenure that you're going to be involved in, is there is it a, a long-term contract or is it just for a, for a season or two to start with? Uh, well, it's two years for now. We see, we see how we go, see, if I, see how, how I do. But, um, yeah, it's something I'm looking forward to. I think in, in two years um, it, it, there's enough time to... Um, to make a difference and hopefully if things go well, you know, we can have a longer association with, with Slim Cricket. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, as you mentioned earlier, um, there is quite a lot of work on and off the field that, that'll be, you know, not, uh, nothing new to me really. Um, but at the same time, it, it is a, it is a quite a big challenge. Lance, as far as outcomes, you, you obviously goal driven and you, you want to get results. Well, what are you hoping to achieve with this team in, in the next two seasons? Well, look, I mean, um, we would like to we would like to be in the top ten of all forms of cricket, um, and we're just outside of that really in 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 the shorter forms of the game. And Test cricket, we're number ten. So, you know, the the goal I guess in the next two years is to try and become uh, try and be in the top ten of of all forms of cricket, which I think is is a pretty realistic goal um, that some cricketers have set. Um, it, it, it is going to take a some extra commitment from from the players, but at the end of the day, you know, if if people want to achieve it, it, it does take a hell of a lot of hard work. And you know, most of most of those players, it, it's commitment off the field that uh, I guess we need to address, and, and and hopefully we can do that. Brilliant stuff, Lance Klusner. Thank you for joining us here on SAFM Sport Chat this evening. Much appreciated. Best of luck uh, to you and Mackay and Tini. It's I think it's exciting and it's great to see you you both uh, back involved in international cricket and can't see how the, uh, the can't wait to see how the Zimbabwean team progresses over the next couple of seasons. Congrats. Awesome. Thank you. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. This is Sport on SAFM. Every supporter's greatest resource. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader. And as you heard uh, in news earlier on this afternoon, Bafana Bafana have uh, arrived halfway to their destination uh, as they prepare to take on Gambia this coming weekend in their 2017 Africa Cup of Nations qualifier. We join now by South African footballing legend, Marks Mapanyane. Marks, welcome on to uh, the show. Thanks for chatting to us this evening. Thanks for inviting me, Bert. Marks, the, the pressure is, is massively on Sheikh Mashaba and, and the rest of the Bafana Bafana squad. Just three points, desperate need to win to keep their slim hopes of, of qualifying for the finals alive. Uh, must win. Uh, I mean, how, how do we approach this game? Do we throw everything at them or do we go into it cautiously? Well, we have lost already. I heard uh, people normally say we've got nothing to lose. We've lost already. We've got a lot that we have lost already. So I think the approach should be very simple. Throw everything into attack even the kitchen sink, and make sure that we get something out of it. Because uh, we also have uh, hope in hell that uh, Cameroon and Mauritania may play to a draw. So one is going to win that side. Uh, maybe even Cameroon could win. And then uh, we have to make sure that we just throw everything into the last two remaining games, because after this one, Mauritania will be resisting us. Marks, where is it, where's it all gone wrong in this qualifying campaign? I mean, we've, in, in the warm-up games, we've looked so good, but in the matches that really matter, we've struggled. 
Sounds like someone saying we looked good at training. <laughs> We're not looking good <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> In fact, it reminds me of one coach when uh, the team wasn't winning and they ended up being relegated. And that's one of my best interviews. And I said, why, why, why is everything going wrong uh, when it comes to goals? He says, and you're funny enough, they're scoring at training. <laughs> I said, that's strange. They're scoring at the wrong place. <laughs> but uh, on a serious note, though, looking at that, one can only say we threw it away when we played our opening game against Gambia here at home. And uh, when you don't win your home games, you obviously would not expect to go away and win. Yes, someone can counter that by saying, yeah, but last time we qualified for Equatorial Guinea having not won at home. And uh, that's still not the point. Forget the game that we won, the, uh, the last game that we won against Chad uh, in Devon. But still, we won most of our games away. But if you can't dominate at home, then you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the away form that Bafana have shown over the last couple of seasons. It has been impressive, but you're so right. You're so right in saying that your home should be your fortress. You should make it almost impossible for teams to come here and pick up points, and that's where we've really let ourselves down. My point exactly, but interesting enough, contrary to what I'm saying, Sheikh said something very strange, and I'm still not or oh, haven't come to terms with that. He said. We blame better away from home because there is less pressure on the boys. And I thought, gee, that sounds very strange. <laughs> there shouldn't be pressure uh, at home. That's when you should be saying, as you rightfully say, that's our fortress and let's go out there and uh, make sure that we humiliate the uh, opposition, score more goals. And when we are away, we can even go for a win. If uh, the worst comes to the worst, then we can settle for a draw. Marks, looking at Shakes' position as, as coach, uh, if we fail to qualify, do you think his job's under under fire? No, not at all. In fact, uh, that has always been discussed, that uh, he has to take us to eight, uh, 2018, and uh, we knew that when he was appointed. And uh, that is why he is still of uh, that belief that uh, he is going nowhere. And uh, one of the things that uh, were mentioned in the past is that, and by him in particular, is that uh, we now try to work on options and see how best can we start qualifying. I think one in September, when qualifier starts, to start working hard now for 2018. Let's talk about that 2018 and and the implications of if we don't qualify for Gambia. Obviously, playing lots of competitive football in the build-up to to other major tournaments definitely helps. We've seen what's happened with uh, Banyana Banyana in their build-up to Rio and uh, the, the sort of importance of playing competitive football. Will it be a huge blow in our hopes to qualify for 2018 if we do slip up for this qualification campaign? In a way, it will be. And why I say in a way? Because uh, often when you play more tournaments, uh, you gain confidence and uh, you tend to even understand what is needed for the next qualifiers. And when you're not playing tournaments, you also don't uh, get to understand uh, sort of the resilience uh, and the sort of... uh, mental uh, strength of the players when they are having to play every after four days. So you're losing out on those basics. And when it comes to qualifiers, then you realize that you spend a lot of time not playing and often you meet for a week. And uh, in that week, you cannot be uh, trying to perfect the the scoring prowess of uh, your strikers. And that is obviously what has been evidently uh, evidently lacking in our squad. Looking at that squad, has Sheikh's got the, the right personnel at his, disposable for, uh, at his disposal for this weekend's match? I've always uh, have been of this belief that, uh, you know, if the guys haven't been scoring goals for their clubs, don't blame any national team coach. Uh, you can think as far back as, uh, as, uh, as uh, 2010 
where we didn't even qualify uh, to, to the next round. And it just shows you that uh, you cannot approach any tournament without players uh, or, uh, scoring regularly. And having said that, I'm basing my facts on what you've been seeing, and I've been watching a lot of international friendlies. The trend is very simple. That Vardy scores for his team left, and then he goes on to score for England. And then Kane does the same. And many other players. What I've always been following is that a lot of players, uh, your Aguero's and others, and the ones that I've mentioned, have been scoring for their teams, and they go on to score for their national team because that's what they have been doing week in and week out. And with us, it's different. I mean, you look at the leading goal scorers. I mean, these are the people that are not in the squad, and these are the people that are not South Africans. So it still leaves us with a big void there. Looking at what what has to happen, we need to beat Gambia. We also then need to beat Mauritania uh, at home in September. But we have to rely on Cameroon to lose their last two matches. Is is that a step to farming? I mean, Cameroon, uh, Cameroon is a class class outfit. Uh, the chances of them losing both and us advancing, I'm I'm not too hopeful. I don't know about you, Mark. Well, I had those permutations, and I thought that's a long shot. And uh, I must be honest, I'm putting my head on the block here. That that is just impractical. It's not going to happen at all. It's unfortunate, but yeah, I tend to agree. I, I'm the eternal optimist, but this one I'm not so sure, Mark Maponyane. I'm, I'm bitterly disappointed, but we look forward to the game nonetheless. Thanks for your time tonight. We look forward to catching up Thanks. again soon. Thank you very much for inviting me. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM and on to some netball now. Kingdom Stars duo of uh, Bongiwe Msomi and Precious Ntembu couldn't contain their excitement after being selected to the 25-member training squad ahead of the Spy International Netball Challenge Test Series against Wales in Durban next month. The duo were instrumental in dethroning the Gauteng Fireballs for the first time to finish fifth in the 2016 Premier Netball League at the Olive Convention Centre in Durban over the weekend. Msomi wants to continue to impress the coaching staff when the team is trimmed down to 14 players tomorrow. Definitely one um, goes back home, prepares, trains hard because obviously the target or the goal is to get into the national team. Um, luckily, or I'll say unfortunately, I've never taken it um, for granted to be in a national team. I know that every time I need to work hard and yeah, one can only cross fingers to get into the team and if I do it, then I know it's another hard work because it's not um, just about going there and making the team. You still have to work hard because tough competitions comes um, when you represent the country and expectations are there and yeah, obviously you still need to um, work um, hard to put your name out there and just know you're representing the country uh, in a good Msomi, who was the only player of colour in the Proteus team at the Australian Worlds last year, is aware of the stiff competition she's facing to make the final 14, let alone the starting lineup. Msomi competes for the playmaker role with Aaron Berger, Lauren Lee Christmas and Izet Luba. For me, I've never rated myself um, according to other players. I only look at myself and try and, um, and better the way I play because in that way I know I can I never be able to change how other players uh, play but I can always change the way I play. Uh, the more I improve in everything I've been doing wrong is the more I get better as a player so really I'll, every time I focus on what I do well and yeah, you can only hope uh, for the best and it's just the squad now, it's not the team and if I make the squad it's a bonus, I know I need, I need to make the team as well making the team doesn't mean you're starting you still need to be in a 12 and only 7 can start and for me, I will never make the, uh, the 12 and be more worried about now what's going to happen next because I know I have to work hard if I make the team, 
um, the seven, it's the best, then I know I have to go on court and do my best. But if not, then the other girls will do it for the country. So it's just a matter of us respecting um, our country and what we expect it to do. And, yeah, I can only cross fingers. According to the Durban-based Proteus play, the standard of netball in the country has improved immensely. And she says this would not have been possible had it not been for investors and the exposure. Definitely, I'll say um, the standard of netball is really growing. And it's amazing to see a number of um, young players coming up. And all of that, um, it's all thanks to, obviously, SAB, um, um, obviously, uh, all our media people and um, all the brutal fruit um, of all the funding, SPA, we can thank them um, and Nepal South Africa for always trying so hard um, to make us have these competitions. Through all these competitions, we can say this is where we start, this is our beginning, then we get ready to go uh, for tough competitions. So, yeah, um, it's just the best and it's growing. And a number of players you will see, if this um, squad is announced, I'm sure you will also see the variety of all the players coming up. It's just amazing for the country. It's a good thing. The 28-year-old, who is also an ambassador, for a girls-only project, uh, GPO has own uh, has ambitions of representing the country in her province, Durban, when South Africa hosts the 2022 Commonwealth Games. If it happens, I'll always love to play my last Commonwealth Games here in Durban. Um, 2022, if mm. it happens. And then, yeah, uh, one can always dream, and if it happens, that would be a bonus for me. But obviously, it's just to keep my own play on standard and keep going. Any ambitions of going overseas? Um, definitely, I would still love to um, go overseas. And, yeah, we'll just see how it goes this year. And if lucky, definitely next year. Coach Norma Plummer will announce the final 14-player squad tomorrow in Durban. The national team will continue their camp in Durban for the next two weeks before the Crucial Wales Test Series. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, and as the countdown continues to the 2016 Rio Olympic Games, yesterday we looked uh, at the first of our Did You Know series in the build-up to those games. Time for installment number two, and it's all about a Russian gymnast called Dmitry Bolodreschev. The 16-year-old Russian gymnast Dmitry Belozhev caused a sensation when he won the all-round competition at the World Championships in 1983, but was unfortunately denied the opportunity to win an Olympic medal due to the Soviet Union's boycott of the 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles. After winning the European Championships in 1985, his gymnastics career took a dramatic turn for the worst. He absconded from a military camp, consumed too much liquor and after having received his driver's license only 10 days earlier, collided head-on with a truck while driving his father's car on a wet and slippery road. The impact of the accident was so severe that he fractured his left leg completely. The surgeon who operated on him contemplated amputating the leg, but luckily managed to save it. The Soviet sports union abandoned him and Dmitry had to continue his gymnastics career without any support from the government. Unfortunately, he started training too soon and because he overcompensated for his frail left leg, he injured his right leg and had to undergo corrective surgery in 1986. Despite all these setbacks, Dmitry Belozhev won the World Championships again in 1987 and positioned himself as the favorite to win the gold medal in the all-round competition at the Olympic Games in Seoul. Unfortunately, he made a crucial error at his favorite apparatus, the high bar, and only won the bronze medal. However, he did win a silver at the rings and two gold medals at the pommel horse, as well as the team competition at the 1988 Olympic Games. Join us again tomorrow night as we have another one in the series of Did You Know leading up to the Rio Olympic Games in 2016 right here on SAFM Sports Wrap. SAFM Sports Wrap.
We head to Paris now to get the latest from the French Open. The good news is there is play, and there's been lots of it today. Chris Bowers joins us. Chris, there's been some fantastic tennis. Yes, there has, and uh, the, the pick of the matches was definitely the first of the quarterfinals with Andy Murray and Richard Gasquet. That looked as if it was going to go uh, the way of an upset because Richard Gasquet won the first set 7-5, having been 5-2 down. The second set seemed to be following the same pattern because Murray was 5-2 up, but he was brought back to 5-all. They went into the tiebreak. Gasquet led 3-1 and was playing far more adventurous tennis, but... Uh, Murray then reeled off six points on the run from 1-3 down to take the tiebreak 7-3. And from the start of the third set, Gasquet looked tired, not so much physically, more mentally. And uh, so Murray ran away with that. And in the semi-finals, presumably on Friday, he will now play against Stan Wawrinka, who beat Albert ramos Vinola in straight sets. That's the quarterfinals. Earlier on, we had the completion of the fourth-round matches. Any shock, really? Yulia Putinseva, diminutive Ukrainian, putting out the 12th seed, Carlos Suarez Navarro. And for her pains, she now has a meeting against the world number one, Serena Williams. Looking at some of the other tennis that's taking place, picking the ladies, draw the quarterfinals uh, in, uh, on court at the moment. Uh, Gabriela Muguruza is a set-up. Uh, and uh, just looking at the class screen stamps, though, so, uh, it, it looks like it's still in the first set, according to, to, to my scores. Yeah, how are those two looking? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, in the Muguruza match, Muguruza really should have been a set down by now. She was broken in the early... Uh, stages of the match, uh, first game in fact, and Shelby Rogers, the 23-year-old American in her first Grand Slam quarter-final, had a set point at 5-4, but Muguruza saved it and then broke and won the first set at 7-5, and Muguruza is now 5-3 in the second, so uh, I suspect she's going through. Many people's dream final is Muguruza against Serena Williams, but if Muguruza is uh, to get to the final, she has to finish off Rogers and then beat the winner of uh, Svetlana Pironkova and Sam um, Sosa. That was very much Peronkova's early on, but Stosa's fought back, and as you said, they're in a marathon first set. Uh, Chris, looking just yesterday, we were talking about the schedule and uh, the order of play with, with all the rain delays. How are things looking? Are we still very far behind schedule? No, we're not very far behind schedule. We are still behind schedule. What should have happened today is that the men's quarterfinals should have been completed. In other words, the third and the fourth should have been played. But we had the first and the second played today. Uh, so we're one day behind on that one. Uh, we're also uh, sort of half a day behind on the women's. And if I tell you that the order of play tomorrow has uh, Djokovic against Burdick starting at 1 o'clock uh, on the main court, Dominic Team against David Goffin starting at 1 o'clock on the Suzanne Longland court, which is the second court, that's their way of saying we want to get those over as early as possible so that we can ask the winners of those two to play their men's semi-final on Friday, albeit, I'm sure, second. I'm pretty sure that uh, Murray Wawrinka will be first up on Friday. And then you've got, uh, not before 3 o'clock tomorrow, Serena Williams, Yulia Putin-Saver on the main court, and in the second court you've got Kiki Burton against Timir Bashinsky, also not before 3 o'clock. So um, that would then get us totally up to date on the singles, uh, but it does mean that the women's uh, semi-finals uh, would be played on Friday, both of them, with a final on Saturday. It doesn't matter quite so much for the women because they're playing best of three, whereas the men play best of five. So I think it's important that they have their day off. Um, but if they get the semi-finals played on Friday, then the men can have their day off on Saturday and play their final on schedule on Sunday. So we're almost back on schedule, Brad. I think most importantly, what is the weatherman saying? 
not good. Um, it doesn't look particularly good for tomorrow. Uh, Friday and Saturday are okay. Sunday's not looking good at this stage, but I've learned not to trust the Paris weather more than 12 <laughs> hours ahead, let alone three days. Chris Bowles, thank you so much for that. We'll chat again tomorrow. We'll have more updates for you on AM Live uh, from the 2016 French Open. And that almost wrapped things up for SAFM Sports Chat tonight. Lots of international friendlies taking place around the globe uh, yesterday and today. I can tell you the results are of Spain and South Korea is in. Spain absolutely thumping the South Koreans by six goals to one. And Russia beating the Czech Republic by one goal to nil. So uh, yeah, a little bit later on tonight, Belgium up against Finland. That should be a fantastic game as well. Uh, and in some other news, South Africa's Wade van Nikark will make his international season debut. That at the IAAF Diamond League meeting taking place in Rome tomorrow night. And that's it for SAFM Sports Wrap. I'll be back again tomorrow afternoon on PM Live. Janet Whitten will have more sport for you tomorrow morning on AM Live. And coming up on the other side of 7 o'clock, it is the talk shop with Naledi Maleo. But uh, before then, it's time for some news. So from myself, Brad Brown, and my producer, Siobhan Chetty, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to chatting again tomorrow. Right now it is 7 o'clock, and time for your news.